Yo, what's poppin' with the deal, son? You know what it is, it's your man Dean Edwards. Welcome to another episode of the Father Bucket Protocol. You feel me? Feel me? <laughs> yeah. You know what time of the year it is. You know what time of the year it is, cause this music is playing. When do I change the music, son? I never change the music. Not ever. <laughs> But I love this song. Yo, John Carpenter did his thing when he when he uh, wrote the score to this uh, movie, The Halloween. Very, it's, it's it's that time of the year. Hollywood is Hollywood. Halloween is 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 coming. Just let that ride. <laughs> Yo, that his was funny. I um I didn't plan that, but I did pause it. So I uh, right as I was about to start recording, I just happened to turn the TV on, and as I turned it on. The theme music to Halloween was playing, so I said, "Of course, I had to." Uh, you hear, you hear, you hear uh, Michael Myers breathing through the mask. I hear this dude had, it was asthmatic. <laughs> um. Anyway, man, yo, happy Halloween, y'all. Be safe out there if uh, if you are uh, planning on going and celebrating Halloween or what have you. Be safe out there. Watch out for the old goons. Make sure you have a treat or you shall get a trick. But make sure you ain't no trick or John. Ooh, like that. How y'all been, man? Hey, uh, real quick, if, if, uh, if you are in New York City, if you're in New York City this weekend, you can catch me. You can catch me at the, uh, at the Comedy Cellar in Village Underground this weekend. I will be there. Yeah. I will be there, so uh, make sure you come and check it out. Oh, you know what? And next week, you can catch me at, um, actually myself and uh, Mr. Harris Stanton. You can catch us at the lovely uh, Borgata in Atlantic City if you're down in the uh, area of um, Atlantic City or, uh, or Philly or South Jersey. Come check us out. We're down at the Atlantic City uh, Borgata uh Hotel and Casino, or Spy and Casino, whatever it's called. We're there November 4th through November 9th. So make sure you come and check us. Check us out! Excuse me. Um, also, um, for all, all my people that... I keep saying Albany because it was originally Albany. Um, but it's actually... Did I say Albany? <laughs> Albany. Make sure um, if you're up in Syracuse, you can cash me. Get your tickets now to the Syracuse Funny Bone... Uh, that's December 7th through 9th. I will be at the uh, Syracuse Funny Bone December 7th through 9th. And for all my people in the tri-state area, uh, New York City tri-state area, that's New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. And if you're in Philly, you can come. Or even uh, from upstate of Westchester, uh, Dutchess, Orange County, everybody is always saying, yo, when are you going to be back performing in the city? Um, you can catch me. At uh, Gotham Comedy Club, MLK Weekend. I I am the king of MLK Weekend. That's right. I declared it just like Will Smith was the was the king of uh, July Fourth Fourth of July Weekend. And uh, you know any movie he dropped on Fourth of July Weekend would always um, you know do crazy numbers. We always sell out at Gotham. So y'all make sure you uh, you come through uh, Gotham Comedy Club. January 18th and 19th is when, when we're going to do five shows, myself and Harris Stanton um, and whoever else. I'm not sure exactly who else is on the show. I think I, I promised uh, a girl, Von DiCarlo, a guest spot. 
uh, up there. So <laughs> y'all can catch Coach Vaughn. Shout out to Vaughn for having me on her uh, her new radio show on uh, show on Sirius XM uh, channel two hundred seven. The shows at the uh, in DC at the uh, DC Comedy Loft should be pretty cool because um, excuse me, I'm doing those shows with my man Jeff Richards and Harris. Harris is uh, on the show as well. And um, I haven't done done work with my man Jeff Richards on the road in a long time. Jeff, for those who don't know, he was um he was a co-star of mine, uh, co-cast member on uh, SNL during my my years on SNL. He um he has some big characters, Drunk Girl and uh, David Letterman uh, does some great impressions. Louis Anderson, Dustin Hoffman, real funny dude, and uh, he and I we're we're co-headlining. That should be interesting, but. Um, and I'll probably have him on on uh, the Father Mucker Protocol while while we're down there. So that should be fun. I'm looking forward to those shows. I haven't been to D.C. I haven't gigged in D.C. since 2014. Did the improv. Actually sold out a couple of shows. Comedy clubs are weird because you can sell them out and then not, not return for years. Which is why I was like, all right, well, I'll do this new club. It's all good. Go where you want it. Feel me? <laughs> so that, so that, that is what we're doing. Uh, tis the season. Tis the season for, for Halloween. Uh, and, and, and as you heard, that's, that's, that probably Halloween might be my favorite, uh, I guess, horror movie uh, ever. And um, there's, I don't know if y'all have seen this, this new show, this real good show on, on AMC. They've been running during their AMC Fear Fest. And Fear Fest is when they run, they take like, three or four weeks, and they just run mad horror movies um, for for a month. And they're running everything from the Halloween series to Friday the 13th, um, Poltergeist, you know, uh, The Exorcist. I'm sure The Shining is in there. But there, there's this new show that they've been running uh, that comes on late Sunday nights after The Walking Dead. Y'all might have seen it. It's called Eli Roth's um, ah, History of Horror. Eli Roth's History of Horror. Uh, Eli Roth, for those of you who don't know, is uh, look. I'm I'm looking up his, his I'm looking up his his resume right now. But I know he's a he's a horror director, and most most people know him for Cabin Fever. But he also um, he actually is also an actor. I remember him from uh, *Inglorious Bastards*, um, and he's produced a bunch of uh, a bunch of movies as well. But he, he, his 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 preference, as as it seems, would be horror. And he, uh, I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't remember *Cabin Fever* that well. So maybe I wasn't that big a fan of it. I don't know. Um, oh, and *Hostel*. That that's the movie he did that I remember. Hostile, uh, horror porn as they called it, because it was it was just a lot of just a lot of blood and gore, and seeing how far it could go. So anyway, he um he stars in and hosts this show called uh, called AMC Visionaries Eli Roth's History of Horror, where they they go through the um the various forms of horror from. Uh, you know, ghost stories and vampires to uh, the demon inside and slashers part one and two. And of course you had to have the zombies in there. The zombies was the first episode. Shout out to my man, Max Brooks. 
That's one more in there. <laughs> and it's, it, for, for anybody that uh, watches horror movies or is interested in horror movies or interested in, in filmmaking and directing, it's actually um, actually, actually very interesting um, uh, behind-the-scenes uh, explanation to many of the um, movies we grew up on uh, and the... Um, the the norms that that occur in in uh, horror and horror, how horror films have uh, progressed and developed, and if you watch the early the first Halloween, see I don't look at Halloween and and many of the the people that they interviewed on this show, other horror um, directors from um, from Stephen King to to Jordan Peele, because you know Get Out technically is considered a I guess a horror comedy, um, leaning heavily on suspense, you know, and thrillers uh, such as um, uh, the the same. Um, same tools and techniques that Alfred Hitchcock used in his films, like Psycho. You know, Psycho, I guess, was considered a horror movie for for the the era that it came out. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's 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 interesting watching how these 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 films have developed. Now, the reason I like Halloween and and watching watching these other directors sort of dissect and break down the reason Halloween worked so well is similar to um, how they did. Uh, did Jaws, how Spielberg did Jaws. You when you you didn't see or know that much about Michael Myers. Um he was more mysterious and and they played a lot. They didn't lean on gore. The original Halloween is not a gory film. It's uh it's just it leaves you on the edge of your seat. Um knowing as as Donald Pleasant's uh Donald Pleasant said Michael Myers has come back with the intent to kill Again, I used to do a joke. <laughs> I did a joke about uh, Donald Pleasance in, in, in Halloween, man, because he said, I said he said, like, you can always tell uh, early, early jokes because there was no real substance to him. And I think I was just saying that Donald Pleasance sounded like he was mid-stroking about to bust one. Michael Myers has come back with the intent to kill again. <laughs> So immature. Alright. Well, anyway, check out the uh the show and and uh and be safe out there. I didn't I didn't really plan on delving into horror movies. What's your favorite horror movie, y'all? What, what, what are some of y'all favorites? I watched I watched the uh because they've been running the, 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 the Fair Fest, and so I've been catching a lot of uh, movies that were scary when I was a kid. That is kind of goofy. The, the first uh, Friday the 13th is, is actually hilarious <laughs> watching it now. Watch the final fight. If you watch the final fight uh, between uh, Jason Voorhees' mother and, and, the, uh, and the gal, and the gal, is is funny because you're like, hey, yo, yo, block. Like, why is she standing? There's one scene where she goes to slash this girl, and the girl just stands there. The girl doesn't put up her arm. She doesn't block. She just she just takes it, man. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why would you just stand there and take it? Defend yourself, woman. <laughs> oh shoot. I'm sorry. Um, I, so yeah, so I watched that. I watched the the Halloween re reimagining that they did in 2009, which was eh, it was okay. 
they 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 try too hard when they when they read. I you know what? I did like no, I'm sorry, that wasn't the Halloween. I watched the Friday the Thirteenth re reimagining that they did in '09. They did a Halloween reimagining. I think uh, did Rob Zombie. I want to say Rob Zombie might have been the one that um, directed it. And I, I actually, my wife actually, who's not a fan of these movies, she actually uh, watched it and dug it. So, you know, there, there, um, there is a, a, a possibility to redo or reimagine the films and add something new. But I think oftentimes they miss the mark. That's just, that's in my opinion, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, um, as I mentioned, um, I'm at the Comedy Cellar uh, Village Underground this weekend. I was there last weekend. They just started. I don't know if any of y'all saw. They have a new show um, this week at the Comedy Cellar. Or Twat C. <laughs> uh, or Twat CC. Is it Twat CC? Anytime you get to say Twat, it makes you smile, doesn't it? Anywho... Yeah, it's a new show. I, I watched the uh, premiere episode. Here's what's funny. Always pay attention and read your emails, yo, because uh, Friday night, last Friday, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I, did I have shows? Yeah, I was running around doing shows, and I get an email saying that, uh, saying, yeah, um, like, we're excited to have you on the production tomorrow. I'm like, huh? And it turns out I was, I was shooting this week at the Comedy Cellar, uh, the less than 24 hours later. But I guess I was unaware that if you're booked to do the Village Underground for the next, say, six weeks, um, you know, on a Saturday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, then you're doing the TV show. <laughs> oh, no, I did not I didn't, I did not realize that's what that meant. Um, my bad. And, and the show's pretty interesting, man. It's, um... I want to say it's sort of a hybrid where Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn meets uh, Best Week Ever on VH1 and, you know, any stand-up, A&E's Evening at the Improv or any stand-up showcase. And and so comics have topics um, and and get to, you know, you know, flip the material on stage based on whatever, um, you know, topical event is going on that week. I I made the error, right? I I get I get the message Friday night, so boom, I I, I start cranking out and all right, what what do we talk about? Okay, the midterms are coming up, so I'm write this material on midterms. Uh and new iPhones coming out, so I write this material on the iPhones. And um I was talking to my man Mark Theobald. We were talking together and Mark said, Yeah, but is that enough time? Like less than a day to prepare new material that you're presenting on TV. And that is, that is a quick turnaround, man. Um, especially if you don't have enough time to at least go and run the material and run the sets with, with, uh, with some of your comedic, uh, cronies or actually on stage, that would have been, uh, the ideal situation, but I'm writing this stuff Friday night, Saturday morning, with with intentions to you know record it Saturday night, so it's a little too much. I um, and that there's always a possibility that you can do it, you can make that happen, but it is a challenge. But that's that's you know we're comedians, so I'm thinking, all right, I'm up to it, and, and I was to an extent, and I had some some cans of material that I would lead into that was also you know topical, 
Um, so Saturday night, right before I uh, I go on, had had a situation with the teenager. <laughs> you know, one of the teenagers in the house, and and totally was out of my my uh, my A game um, because my my head was was not where it needed to be. So I had a good set. Now I spoke to producers. I spoke to some of the other comics. They were like, "Nah, you crushed it." I was like, "Nah." And here's here's what bugged me. I was good. I think I was real good. I wasn't great. And and uh, my man, you know, shout out to Ray Allen, one of the uh, creators and producers of this week at the Comedy Cellar or this week at the Cellar. Um, he was like, "Nah, dude, you're being too hard on yourself." And I told him, I said, "Well, you know, Ray, I said." we're perfectionists with this, you know, and because we're perfectionists, I, I'm, I can't help but being hard on myself. Um, so I, I, uh, I'm, I'm shooting another episode on, uh, uh, this week. And so I'm looking for, I need some, some, uh, retribution. I need, I need to race Erase what I did and have have a better set, <laughs> and I will. I did uh, actually on uh, a Saturday after taping my first set. I had I, I was closing the final set at the cellar, and uh, and Pete Davidson came through and told this really really dirty joke about a baby licking his finger. <laughs> and then uh, I thought Russell Peters Russell uh, swung through, and I thought he was going on, but he he bounced, and so then I went on and closed. And I, I I felt I had a redeeming um, set for me, for those who aren't actually comedians and, and uh, don't understand what I mean. Here's the thing, like as a performer, anytime you want to always put forth your best. And so when you when you fall short of that, it, it, it grates you, man. It grates your nerves. If you're a new comic that's listening or you're an old, older uh, comic veteran that's listening, you know what I'm talking about where, you know, you you had this material and you knew exactly what you wanted to do, you wanted to execute, you knew exactly how to execute, and then you flubbed, you know, uh, uh, your tongue got in the way. And as soon as you flubbed and you hear that silence, you're like, ah! And that can just throw everything else off the rails. Now, the beauty of of coming off the rails is if you're if you're nice with what you do, if you're professional and, and, uh, and you have a catalog of material, then you always have crutch material, which is actually what I wound up doing. I won't say crutch material, but you have your A-list. You have your A-game. And so I, I, I dropped, um, as soon as uh, I was finished doing what I felt was the topical material, I went right to uh, material that I knew was tried and true and was effective and would, would win. You know, That's not to say I didn't believe in the uh, other material, but I knew some of the newer jokes were going to be a challenge. And, you know, I know I know I like to, you know, I have a certain level of uh, <laughs> of energy I'm used to getting. So when I don't get that energy, that uh, that kind of works the brother's nerves. And that's exactly what happened. So when it when when it worked my nerves and I didn't hit the way I wanted to, boom, I was like, OK, we're going uh, we're going with the, 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 the canned material. And I'm curious if uh, if any of y'all that probably happens to people in in regular everyday life. You know, it could be something as simple as you know you taking somebody out, you go out on a date, you take your lady out, you take your wife out, and 
and let's say your food comes. You ever you ever have this happen? You 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 order your food, and say something as simple as like French fries. Your fries come when your food comes. It takes forever. Your food finally comes, but it took so damn long. And when you you bite into you know. Your your main entree, it's good, but then the fries are cold, or the potatoes, the mashed potatoes are a little cold. And I'm the type, it's a, it's a 50-50 split. If I've been waiting a long time, I'm starving, man. I want to eat. I don't want to wait any longer. And then, so psychologically, you're going in your head, you're like, ah, damn, do I want to send, send uh, these sides back and have them reheat them, or do I just eat them as is? And if you, if you, if you don't send them back, you're not enjoying your food. You're not getting the maximum enjoyment out of your food. But if you do send it back now, you got to wait another five minutes, another 10 minutes, right? So either way, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But if you don't send it back and you do eat the food and the food is good, you leave and then later on, at least I know I do. I sometimes don't. I'm a, and that's probably a problem, something I should work on. You need to learn how to let things go. You you left the restaurant. You live with this, this decision that you made, but sometimes you don't live with it. Or sometimes you don't feel comfortable living with it. And, and so now you're in, in a space of regret. I don't really like regretting. You're just like, damn, I wish I had. I should or I should have. I should have just sent it back. You know, I didn't want to be a problem. I didn't want them to possibly spit in my food because they thought I was being too hard and... And, and making things more of a headache. But you know what? If you're paying for your food, you you paying for that service. Take the time and send it back, man. Patience. And, you know, as as a performer, if, uh, if things aren't going the way you want them to, take a moment and reset. You know, especially if you're taping a TV show. And I could have done that. I could have I said, you know what? Hold up, let me run that back again. And be and the beauty of taping any television show, um, for the most part, unless you're like a a featured like on Showtime at the Apollo, if you're doing your set, <laughs> chances are you're 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 uh you're a locomotive, you're moving forward. So you're not gonna stop and say, Can I do that again? But I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen at uh Comedy special tapings. I've seen. I've seen the director stop a show. I've seen the director after. Uh, I remember Patrice uh, at his HBO special, his, his half hour. Um, I think. I think. No, I don't think he did. But I th- I saw a couple of people tape that day, and uh, after after they tape, it might have been Patrice after he did his set. And then the director said, oh, you know what? Um, the stage manager comes out and says, Yo, okay, guys, you know what? Um, Patrice, we're going to need you to uh, say that one line again a little cleaner. And audience react as if it's your first time hearing it. And people usually will roll with it because they, they, you know, they're, they're there to support live comedy. And they want to make sure you, uh, you are presenting the best of whoever whomever they're watching perform. So... I could have easily stopped when I flubbed and said, you know, let me run that back. But you're, you're performing. See, the, the, the interesting thing about uh, this, this new show on Comedy Central, This Week at the Cellar, is that you're really just doing a set on a booked show at the Cellar, and they just happen to be, excuse me, recording them. 
That's exactly so. It's uh, it's unlike most other shows in that it's there's a script and there's a schedule and you just you shoot the script and if you don't nail the script then you go back and do reshoots and different angles. Now nah, you just you running your set. You know I went on. Ricky Velez went on and he did his set like he normally would. If it was a if it was a Friday or a Thursday or Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday. You know, um, Mike Yard, you know, so there were a lot of great comics that uh, uh, were on the shows. <clears throat> um, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing them. You know, a chain brother had to change. They they hit me right after I got my hair cornrowed. I'm cornrowed again. And I was like, nah, I spent money on these rolls. So we we going to have to go on TV with a scully on or or uh, <laughs> or pull the hoodie up. Um I could have just performed with my braids out. I guess maybe maybe I'll do that this week. We'll see. We we shall see. Also, you know what? Um, so y'all take that take that from me. Take and you can take that uh, either with a grain of salt, or you could uh, you know lean into it and 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 believe in it. But yo, if you have an opportunity, and this this for anything you do in the future. If uh, if you're doing a TV show and you have a chance to uh, redo it, reshoot it, um. You know, ask the director, hey, can you can I run that line again? The chances are they'll be fine with it. Don't don't get out of hand though. You know, you don't wanna uh you know, time is money. And and I'm also talking with regards to shooting a stand up comedy set for television. Not 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 a, a scripted show. Scripted is a little different. Scripted, you better have your, your lines memorized and off book by the time you go and shoot your scenes because when they're changing coverage and changing the uh, camera angles then they can make me you can run the line again but do not I'm repeating do not ever say cut you know what I want to do that again <laughs> not unless it's your show <laughs> not, not unless it's is starring you whoever is is listed and and uh your name appears before the credits, then then you have that power. Until then, you roll with it until they say cut. Don't don't ever. <laughs> I don't want any of you to ever say just yell out cut. I want to do it again. And if you do, don't don't say Dean told me to do it. No, I ain't got I ain't, I ain't got nothing to do with it. You hear me? Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Oh man, what else been going on? Yo, so I um I see the NBA started. Now, are people really tripping? The season started uh since my last uh episode when I was at sea. New season started, new NBA season, and uh the Lakers lost the first three games. I spoke about this on uh on Coach Vaughn's uh show on uh Sirius XM Wednesday evening, six PM to nine PM Eastern. Uh, channel 207 NBA uh the NBA channel of Sirius XM and um I I found it interesting now I think some of y'all probably know I'm I'm a, I'm a Lakers fan I've been a Lakers fan since I was a kid you know taking it back to Michael Cooper AC Green Kareem the 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 probably the greatest ever but he wasn't as uh much uh flash as Jordan, but his 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 numbers hold, man. Kareem's numbers hold, uh, and uh, he and Jordan are very similar as far as um, championships, both in uh, college and in uh, 
and in their professional life, man. Um, but Kareem, you know, Kareem was a was a different type of type of dominance, man. This dude was just a giant, dominated in high school and as Lou Al Cinder in college, UCLA, and then when he converted to Islam, um, the dude was a beast in the NBA. You know, so I'm I you know what uh, I'm I'm just I'm checking Kareem versus versus uh, Jordan. Let me just see because I, I'm sure people have uh, uh, look. Look, as I put in Kareem versus Jordan and find this article, why is Michael Jordan considered to be better than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, even though he scored fewer points in his career? Well, that's, that's, uh, okay, and it says the undisputable answer. Conversely, uh, MJ was 6-0 in the finals, six times finals MVP. Okay, conversely, Kareem was only two-time final MVP meaning an 8 out of 10, 80%. NBA Finals, Kareem played in. He was not the best player in the series. He was not the best player in 80% of NBA Finals. He played in only won 60% of his championships in series matchups. Okay, well, I put it more on. MJ just was more spectacular, and uh, they both changed the games at different times in their careers, their respective careers. Um... MJ was flashier, uh, but I'm I'm a Lakers fan, so I'm biased. <laughs> but anyway, they lost the first three, and people suddenly started saying things like, uh, "I think we can." I think this ends the debate as far as who's greater, uh, LeBron or Kobe. Come on, man, are y'all really, really doing this now? That that's where that's where you went with it. <laughs> It's just three games do not determine a career. If Kobe was in those games, Kobe would have would have hit that final shot. But it's, there's no guarantee that Kobe would have hit those final shots. Um, Kobe wasn't a brilliant player when he first got to the Lakers. His first season was was a challenge. It was LeBron's first three games. As a challenge. Now I know somebody's out there is listening. Like, yeah, but Kobe, that Kobe just started in the NBA. LeBron's been playing for years. LeBron's won multiple championship rings. LeBron's supposed to come in as a leader and mentor. Okay, if that's what y'all want to go with, and it's it's not even something that's arguable. I I'm, I don't waste time arguing because you're not gonna sway anybody's opinions. You know, you're not gonna. I just watching the games as I watch them. Um. LeBron was on the top of his game. He did. He actually hit the shot that that put them in overtime, and uh, and and then he missed, he missed the uh, he missed the the final shot. But I mean, you know, shots are missed, shots are made. You know, you can't. Jordan, Michael Jordan wouldn't have missed that shot. Jordan, Jordan didn't miss shots, y'all. He didn't hit every shot. Kobe Bryant, and I'm a big fan of Black Mamba. You know, Mama, we we got three with, with <laughs> we got three with 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 Kobe and uh and the Lakers. You know, back to back. You know, take that everybody else. <laughs> I really don't want Golden State to win again this year. I'm be honest. I'm gonna put I'm putting that out there. You call me a hater or whatever. <laughs> I'm just kind of tired of uh the Splash Brothers. I said I said it. That's right. I said it. You might say I'm hating. I probably am. Doesn't matter. 
Shoot, this is my podcast. I'll say what I want. <laughs> and that's not to take away from uh, Steph Curry and uh, and his teammates. I think I think Golden State, Golden State is uh, is an amazing basketball team. I just personally, I am tired of them. Okay, can I have that? Can I put that out there and say have that? Uh, and 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 people were also rushing to judgment, saying uh, Walton, Coach Walton, should be fired. What? Come on, y'all! Three games in. Now the Lakers wound up winning their fourth game. Fortunately, thank thankfully, so so we could at least now move on with the season. Um, but it'll be interesting season, an interesting season to uh, watch unfold and see how the Lakers do. We need some shooters. We know we need some like some long range shooters, man. Golly, guys! I was watching uh, them play Houston. They were just missing constantly. It was, it was painful. Now, uh, for anyone out there saying, "Well, Dean, why don't you you talking a lot a lot of junk? You ain't no good player." Nope. No, I am. No, I am not. I am not a brilliant basketball player. I'm just a fan, just like you. And you like you're like you're fans of this podcast, and you might be fans of uh, my style of comedy. And, and you you offer opinions. You know, I have people come to me all the time with opinions about. Yeah, you know what you should do. Yeah, you know what. Uh, you should talk more about. More about it. Like I've actually had people say that you should talk more about Asians. You know, yeah, I'm, I love Russell Peters. He's he's uh he talks about Asians and. Uh, and you you need to talk more about Asians. Well, that's 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 not my that's not my forte. Now I actually uh because I went to Asia, because I toured China, I now have jokes about Asians, so there you go. But um you are allowed to have your opinion from the sidelines. I I do my best not to have opinions about um people's actual um, uh, you know, playing of the game. You know, my, my my frustrations come with things that might happen. You know, oh, damn, I wish he had passed instead of shooting that. But I'm not going to tell somebody they should have made a shot if they missed it because I know I probably would have missed that shot. The same way the same way, I don't want you coming up saying, oh, you know what you should do, what you need to do as a stand-up because you don't know. You don't know what we go through. You don't know what, you know, somebody might have come up to me after I take this show the other night and said, hey, man, I like that. But you know what? Drop the joke about Apple phones. I didn't really like that. It re- didn't really land. Yeah. Anytime a, uh, anytime a lay person uses terms, uses like comedy terminology, I immediately, I immediately uh, shut down because I'm thinking, oh, you know, you're, you're, you really want to, you really want to do this. You really want to be a comedian. But you don't have the courage to pursue it, so instead you're going to uh, critique. And I've dealt with that before, so you know you don't you you don't let it affect you. You keep it moving. Uh, as as far as key, I've, I've been keeping it moving. You know what? Shout out to my man, Mark Theobald, man, because we're um, we are uh, we're working on this script. I've been working on this. We had this pilot, had this pilot idea since last year. We actually uh, pitched it to a production company I work with. They love the idea, and um, but but now it's time to get serious. So while the last OG just finished, uh, just wrapped shooting season two, 
and I have Mark's attention. We've been working on this, and uh, I actually already the script that I had written. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, it's a thirty minute, I guess, a sitcom. You could consider it. Um, to me, the word sitcom is odd because I when I think of sitcoms, I think of All in the Family and the Jeffersons and Good Times. Uh, you know, I think of Norman Lear, <laughs> honestly. But I also think of a live studio audience when I think the term sitcom. Modern Family is a sitcom, but there's not a live studio audience with a with laughter in the background. You don't hear a laugh track. Like Rel, Lil Rel um, has his new show, Rel on Fox, and there is laughter. There's, there's, an, there's an audience. It's shot in front of a live studio audience. So to me, that's a sitcom. Atlanta? Donald Glover's show, Atlanta? Uh, doesn't feel like a sitcom because they also sometimes it gets it feels heavy and serious, but it is a funny show. But I I I don't like to categorize it as a sitcom, mainly because it it um I guess to me it just doesn't feel sitcommy, doesn't have laughter in the background. So the show we're working on. Although it is, I guess, considered a sitcom, it's a half hour. Uh, it it leans more, you know, towards the Atlanta or even The Office, which The Office is a funny show. It's a comedy, but it, calling it a, The Office a sitcom, it seems off the mark slightly. Just just in my opinion, I I am one man with one opinion, you know. So um, so I had written. I started writing the script, uh, and uh, when I was on this cruise a couple of weeks ago, I wrote, I'm going to say I wrote about, I think I'm at page 15, pretty decent, pretty decent, we're, we're well into the first act, but then Mark said he wanted to incorporate some of the things that he learned in the writer's room while writing on Tracy Morgan's The Last OG. And so he did, and from that, we developed and figured out instead of uh, instead of the way I've been writing, we're gonna write it slightly different. We're gonna change up. Now I already have, I already have, um, you know, our one line, the uh, the synopsis of what the show is. I know y'all are like, what is it? Now you gotta wait, man. I'm so, I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to wait for this one. You ain't getting it out of me. I ain't even pitched it to my manager yet, but it, but it's uh, I I wrote the synopsis, um, the character uh, descriptions and breakdowns. I, because um, I'm learning that it's all about character. It's all about uh, character, meaning story. You know, you have to want to check in with these these different characters' stories week to week, and so. I really took my time writing and flushing out who each character is from Roger on down to Nancy and so forth. Those names mean nothing to y'all, so I don't mind saying the the, the names of the characters. Uh, but I really flushed out the characters, and I guess the first step was getting characters and the synopsis, and then um, and then writing out your different beats, what you want to occur throughout the uh, throughout the story and the, the different acts, right? Um, after getting the beats and the acts written out, 
now we're at a place where we are outlining. We're outlining each of the uh, acts. So I got the acts written out and the beats involved. So now I'm writing, writing down, we're typing, writing, whatever. We're writing an outline so that when it's time to just write the actual script, you pretty much have an outline form, a rough version of the script. It's actually fascinating uh um, exercise and creativity, but it's it's been fun. I've had a lot of fun doing so, creating it because a it's not being created in a vacuum. I'm working with um with friends of mine, and uh, b it's always great to bounce ideas off of each other. Now, with that being said, I think the the reason I brought that up is because. Um, for for comics out there that are listening, especially new comics, listen, get yourself a crew. Form a crew. I'm not saying like form a crew like y'all B-boys and about to battle people, but whoever you're coming up with, if you vibe with them, man, you'll link with them and uh, and write together. You know, when I was on the ship, uh, you know, Flip, Flip Schultz asked if I wanted to uh, wanted to write. I was like, yeah, sure. We wound up writing a couple of jokes, one of which uh, ends with my mother is a freak. <laughs> I don't know why I hear Chris Rock's voice. My mother was a freak. But um, but we just, we both cracked open our, uh, our joke books, our logs. And he, he told me a joke he's working on. I told him a joke I'm working on. He told another joke. I told another joke. And we just helped each other punch up, punch up material. Um, collaborating, um, collaborating should be a, a wonderful experience because you're getting to see your ideas through a different lens, from a different scope, from a different perspective, and that's exactly what was happening. Uh, you know, F- Flip was able to say to me, "Oh, you know, what if you did this?" I was able to look at some material and say, "Oh, you know, that's good, but." Why not attempt it this way? And you wind up having those aha moments like, ah, I didn't see that. I never saw it from that perspective. And so as that applies to stand-up, make sure it applies to your um to you know your your writing when you you're delving into something deeper or beyond stand-up. We're working on the script. Include your friends. That's why you have friends. My mother and Nana always said that it's good to have friends, bad to need them. Huh? So make sure you have friends so when it's time and need, you can lean on each other. And also, you know, I'm not just writing this for me. I'm writing this for, for myself and Mark to, to create some opportunities for myself and my cipher and circle of friends. As it, as it should be. You know, one of my, one of my close friends, he's, uh, he has an opportunity to audition for um, for America's Got Talent, right? Now, because I watched that show with my family, after I hang up with you, I'm going to call this person and go over this material because I think their showcase is for the show is tonight. And I honestly think this person can do quite well on the show, right? I believe, I, but I also believe that this person has to has to know how to approach doing stand-up on America's Got Talent because as evidenced by various comics from, I think I saw Joe Matarese on there recently and Tom Carter 
couple of years ago made it to the finals and he was he was the number two runner up. And uh what's his name? Uh Taylor is it Taylor Taylor Williamson. He made America love him because Heidi Klum was being so hard towards and harsh towards comedians that uh she said one time after his performance and everyone else was giving him that from I think Howard Stern and Howie Mandel to Mel B and then Heidi Klum, who's who's a model, who's not an authority on stand up comedy, says, Yeah, you know, I I people I have people laughing, but I just do not get what you're saying. Um and I wouldn't bring my children to come see you. Now when she said that, I as a as a comedian but as a fan of show of America's Got Talent, I'm watching with my family, I got so vexed when I heard that because I was like, well why would you bring kids to a stand-up comedy show? You wouldn't. Why would you? That that would be asinine. So uh Taylor, being sort of tiny and a little dweeby, sweet guy, sweet, sweet fella, funny dude, he played that to his advantage. He says Oh, uh, you know, well, you know, Heidi, um, I I've seen you know you modeling Victoria's Secrets as a fashion model for Victoria's Secrets, and if it makes you feel better, I wouldn't bring my kids to watch you work either. Boom, that right there, shut her down. All the people in the audience lost. They're like, yeah, that's right, defend yourself. And I think that helped because of how Taylor looked. I think if I said that, that might. Ring had a had a slightly different uh, ring to it. It wouldn't have been received the same way because I'm a big black dude. <laughs> but Taylor's a small, small white fella, you know, uh, and so, <laughs> so he wound up winning America over. And then he kept, he continued doing jokes, uh, like he always had banter prepared, and he made America love love him and appreciate him and so from him doing that 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 increased his chances and so he and I, I remember uh remember him seeing him at um stand up New York I probably told y'all this he wound up uh getting me and my family tickets to the finals at uh Radio City when they were doing it at Radio City so that worked out well uh and, and he did his thing he came in second uh, second run our first runner up uh the dude that won was me I still don't know how this, this uh, dude stood up. From, the dude was laying on his back and then just stood up from that position without using his hands. Incredible. Uh, all that to say, I'm going to help, help my people prepare for Prince uh, America's Got Talent audition because I honestly think I can, can uh, help this person do well on that show and play their cards right now. Competition shows. If you have a story, it always helps. So I told them, I said, Yo, you can't just go in as yourself. You really have to play up your story. <laughs> if I if I told you the story they go they're going with, it is a real story, but it's a story that'll play into the hearts of America. Yeah. So so with that said, hey man, y'all y'all dig the uh, podcast? Make sure you subscribe, comment, like, download, tell your friends on iTunes and SoundCloud. Subscribe with me and I'll keep giving y'all this flavor. It's your man Dean Edwards. Follow me on all social media at Edwards for all new listeners and new jacks. Hey, thanks for uh, checking us out. Um, come, come, coming to you live, uh, usually on Mondays. We'll, we'll have another episode next week. Um, 
I'll be in Atlantic City, so Harris will be with me, and I'll probably have Harris on uh, with me in New York, and uh, hear him talk about some things he has going on. Aside from that, yo, thanks for rocking out and ride with us, Manager Man Dean. That was all love. Two fingers. We in the building of Screech. Scream at y'all in seven days. Peace.